You're tuning into the Fearless Fridays with Marianne podcast. As a best-selling author, certified life coach, and speaker, I created this podcast to inspire, empower, and transform you from the inside out. From time to time, you may hear a solo episode, but for the most part, we will be joined by real-life guests who have overcome adversity, but as they have done the work, today they are thriving. So grab your pen and paper as we get started and learn firsthand tips and tricks to change the trajectory of your lives so we can live a free, fearless, and fabulous life. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Fearless Fridays with Marianne. I am your host, Marianne Rivera Dannert, known as the Fearless Living Expert. And today we have an amazing young lady with us, and we are going to be in for a great conversation. So let's bring her on. Hello, how are you? Hello. Thank you so much for having me, Marianne. I appreciate you. Thank you. Thank you. Um, So let's get started. Tell us your name and a little bit about yourself. Sure. Thank you. My name is Christina Morelli, and I'm a relationship expert. I focus on coaching and education around relationships in the way that uh, relationships actually are built on skills that can be developed and strengthened and honed. And uh, similar to the way that we were brought up in learning the skills that we need for careers. So my goal is to provide like formally, how do we have healthy, successful, rewarding relationships that feel really fulfilling and enrich our life? That's awesome. That's beautiful. I'm super excited for this topic. So what made you get into this line of work? How did you get started? Uh, That's a really good question. Uh, I was in corporate America for a very long time. And one day I was complaining about my job, probably for the thousandth time at that point. And my partner at the time, no longer my partner, uh, asked me, like, what energizes me? So it took some time, probably about three or six months to really think about that question, because honestly, I didn't know the answer. So I think everybody should ask themselves that question. What energizes me? It was such a good question for me. And I realized that the one thing that I can talk about, read about, learn about, do about is anything relationships, social psychology, communication, anything that like helps people get along better. I really, truly believe that relationships can heal some of our deepest wounds. And because I discovered that, I was like, this is my new path forward. This is my calling. This is my mission. And I haven't turned back since. That's awesome. That's awesome. So you talked about skills and, you know, that can be strengthened and honed in. So what are some of those skills? Yeah, effective communication. And that's a pretty broad general description. But when I talk about effective communication, I mean, like, how do you apologize that in a way that actually works not being like, Oh, I'm sorry, your feelings got hurt, or I'm sorry, what I did hurt your feelings. It's like, what are the different components to an apology that makes it actually really feel be be felt, helps the person feel seen, um, helps you also take accountability and provide a plan forward. So really a lot of the aspects that I work on are the framework for each aspect of communication. So another example is what is the framework for conflict resolution, right? Mm -hmm. So that first starts with doing some emotional regulation. And then there are ways to communicate through difficult conversations. Like how do I even start a difficult conversation that actually invites my partner to participate in it versus getting defensive or feeling caught off guard? 
Um, conversations require consent, right? So asking somebody something as simple as like, hey, I'd love to have a conversation. Are you available right now? And if that person is not in the mindset for it, because maybe they are in the middle of a work project or really stressed out about something, they're not gonna be in the right mindset to have a conversation that sets your resolution up for success. So instead of, you know, coming to somebody unexpected and being like, we need to talk. And then they're like, whoa, what happened? It's really about being intentional, putting the, putting the mindfulness into it. So that way, whenever you are able to approach, you have the framework as well as to like, okay, this is what we're going to do. So there's something called the Imago Dialogue. If, if uh, you haven't heard about it, please look it up. And it's one of my favorite approaches to resolving conflict. There's also um, nonviolent communication that is a really great option for how to handle any form of conflict as well. So going back to your initial question, uh, it really is all about having the framework. And then what you get to do within that framework is color in the lines, right? So we give you the box or the picture, and then you get to design it however feels good to you and the way you handle yourself, your personality, and also while taking into consideration your partner and what their needs and wants are. Awesome. So you talked about communication and relationships. What is it about relationships, you know, especially with a significant other that kind of like hinders your communication? One, the approach. <laughs> I think it's the approach. I think it is the emotions that are involved that can hinder communication. I think it's not understanding the core want or need before starting that that conversation. So what I mean is you talk about, people mainly talk about the symptom. They don't actually talk about what's causing that symptom. So for example, if you're like, you're always on your phone and this is an issue for me and you know, really what you're seeking is some connection, some undivided attention, some um, prioritization, right? Maybe it shows up as respect for you to have somebody put their phone down. So when you can dig deeper and pull those layers back before you even start the conversation, that allows you to communicate really clearly and provides the path for you and your partner to be able to come to a resolution a lot easier. That's one of the many aspects to be yeah. honest. <laughs> The relationships are one of the most complex things we have in our life. And at the same time, the most important aspect of our life, our happiness, our joy, all comes down to the connections that we have, whether it's romantic or platonic. That's so true. That's so true. So, you know, in looking at your website, um, you talk, you know, relationships and things like that. So one of the questions that I have for you is why does the fire often go out mm. in a relationship? That's a really good question. There are a lot of contributing factors to that. I think oftentimes people expect the initial fire that we have at the beginning of relationships, which most people refer to as the honeymoon stage. I like to refer to it as new relationship energy. And that is because of the hormones that are coursing through our body. So the neuroscience behind relationships and the different stages we go through is when you first meet somebody, it's very exciting. You're so curious. You're so excited to learn all these new things. And that uh, spikes our dopamine and our adrenaline, which also puts us in a very excited, stimulated 
uh, feel or mindset. And it's a lot easier to want to have sex more often. Mm -hmm. And how many times have you heard like, oh, we used to have sex all the time. And now I can't (laughs) even get him to like touch my butt. (laughs) Yeah. And it's because the hormones start to change as we get to know people and we get into routine and things become more expected. Uh, the hormones change to oxytocin, for example, and that is more of our cuddle hormone. So, mm. and our love hormone, and that does play a role, a huge role in any progression of a relationship, which does deeply impact your relationship and your sex that you're having within your relationship. So, I think that's one of the first things to be aware of that can contribute to the lack of sex. Um, the next aspect of it is taking people for granted. The more you are spending time with someone, the more you're used to them being around, the less likely you're thinking about, oh, I could potentially lose this person. And so then we get used to the things that we appreciated so much. At the beginning of a relationship, remember how excited you were when you got that text message from your partner? Right. And yes. then six months, nine months, a year later or 10, 20 years later, you're like, it ain't no thing. So <laughs> it's really about like being incredibly mindful and intentional mm-hmm. and thinking back to like, OK, I really loved like continuing to date that person yeah. as your relationship grows, as you evolve together and make a life together, because life takes over. It, it does. Takes, it takes over everything. And then yeah. before you know it, you're just in your daily grind and you're not actually being intentional towards your partnership. Um, so, yeah, that's another thing is just a daily life routine and making sure that you're still appreciating the really small things that you're doing for your partner. And also making sure that you are still doing small, important things for your partner that maybe aren't necessarily expected of you and consistently checking in with them as well. Yeah. One of the suggestions that I really like to do with this, especially if you've been in a long-term relationship for a while, is something called micro dates. Have you ever heard Mm. of micro dates? No, tell us more. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) So usually the point of a date, right, there's a lot of pressure on going on dates and then people schedule and they're like, you don't take me on dates anymore. That doesn't have to be the case. You don't have to plan a fancy dinner and get dressed up and do all this extra effort and work to get what you actually want from a date. What do you think you actually want from a date? Can I ask you? I will say just deep conversation and connection. Yes. You can do that without going to a candlelit dinner or something that is maybe out of your budget or buying a gift. There's so many things that you can do for a very short amount of time to consistently reaffirm and instill that passion and love in your relationship. So I like to call these micro dates and they can include something along the lines of, well, something I will share personally, my partner and I do is every morning and every night when we are in bed, like right when we wake up, we spend at least five minutes like cuddling before we start our day. And then every night when we go to bed, we get in bed and we spend at least five minutes cuddling and connecting. And maybe that includes some eye contact. Uh, I don't know if you've ever heard of looks of love, but it's essentially just making like really deep eye contact for an awkwardly long amount of time, like 60 to two minutes, but it's only awkward at first before you know, you get used to it. And then before you know it, you're turned on. Um, Yeah. So, and then doing something as simple and sweet as before your partner goes to work um, or before you guys start your days being like, what is something that 
you're you're anticipating encountering today that you're really excited mm -hmm. about? Um, or what is something that maybe you're dreading today that I can ask you about later? Uh, and then, you know, that only takes 30 seconds, right. 60 seconds to make that like intentional taking that moment together. Another one that I personally like to do because I'm a huge dancer is we like to have five minute dance parties. So we put on like one song and we have a dance party because we have 10 minutes in between our calls and we're like, let's have a dance party. <laughs> so it's all about like taking those small moments and making them really special, being very present, making sure your partner feels connected, seen, heard, and feels you with them in those mm -hmm. moments. I love all those little micro tips. I like that. So, you know, I think once upon a time I heard that there's like a seven year itch, you know, where relationships start to feel, you know, kind of funky and things like that. And then it switched to, I think recently I read it was like three years. Mm. You know, what's your take on that? Have you, you know, is there any new research out there? What's your advice on that? Yeah. Um, I haven't looked into the new research, but what I will say, it doesn't surprise me that it's shorter given how short mm -hmm. our attention spans are with the technology we live with today. Yeah. So it's like, it's hard to stay focused on anything for a very long time. Uh, the thing that I would love to say about how to handle the seven year itch, one, it absolutely can be avoided with a lot of the aspects that I was mentioning. And there's, again, there's so much more that goes into, you know, losing, you, your libido could be biological, for example. Um, and I think also a really important factor is to understand that sex isn't necessarily penetration. Sex is so, so, so much more than penis and vagina. And there are so many ways to find things sexy. Maybe you find it sexy when your partner initiates doing the dishes and you don't have to think about it. Maybe you find it sexy when your partner wears lingerie. Maybe you find it sexy whenever your partner is just snuggling in your t-shirt or cuddled up in some blankets or taking care of the children. Yeah. There are so many things that you can find sexy and it's really about redefining what you find sexy. And if you are having some type of biological issues, the other thing I wanna say is being considerate of that. There are so many other things that can be huge aspects to your sexual energy, right? So maybe it's the sound of their voice. Maybe it is the way they touch you. So you don't necessarily have to have penetration to have sex with a partner. Maybe it's sexting, for example. Um, but going back to your initial question of like, how do we handle the seven-year itch or the three-year itch? I it's a big part of that is again going back to intention. I everything I do is about self-awareness and intention. If you can consistently be connecting with your partner every single day, even if it's for something as short as five minutes, and then if you have an opportunity for even longer periods of time, obviously take it and revel in that amazing energy exchange between the two of you. A huge part of that also is the resentment that builds up over time. So I like to refer to this as the death by a thousand paper cuts. When you are consistently um, going into a relationship, taking the person for granted, not appreciating the things that they're doing, not recognizing them, seeing them for who they are and what they're bringing to you and who they are as a person, not even what they're just bringing to you. But do you even like the person? Not do you like what they're doing for you, but do you like who this person is out, completely outside of you and your relationship? And being able to recognize that and appreciate that is a huge aspect of, of being 
intention and, and putting effort into the relationship. What I was talking about with resentment built up over time is having conflicts go unresolved or having ruptures unrepaired. So how can you repair ruptures regardless of how big or small? A small rupture in a relationship or injury in a relationship could look as something as like, I've asked you three times to take out the trash and you still haven't done it. And I'm tired of you know nagging you about it. Or maybe you're tired of being nagged. Right. So it's, it's the, how do, can I trust you? Not, can I trust you not to cheat on me? Can I trust you to do what you say you're going to do? Can I trust you to be there for my emotional needs? Are you as available as I need? And it's and another way to, to avoid this is doing check-ins. So I like to relate a lot of relationship efforts, patterns, or I guess um, uh, practices to like what we do in business. So if your partner was your manager and you were to get a review, what would that review look like? Mm. Do you do weekly check-ins? Do you guys have relationship goals three months, six months, five years from now? Similar to how you have career goals. If you don't do what you say you're going to do at work consistently over and over and over again, chances are you're going to get fired. Right. If you're on a conference call and you're not paying attention because you're busy multitasking or doing something else because you're taking that situation for granted, chances are you're not going to get promoted. Okay. <laughs> right? People are going to trust you to get the work done. And a huge part of that is like bringing the prioritization into your relationships the same way a lot of people have prioritized their careers and businesses. I think can really attribute to like, I want to have sex now. <laughs> right? right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. So as these little paper cuts happen over time, specifically the small ones, that starts to build up. And then we just sweep it in the rug because we're like, oh, it's not a big deal. He didn't take the trash out. I'll just take it out. I can resolve it. But what people are not realizing is slowly and surely you are losing your trust. You are losing your desire. You are losing your desire for connection or wanting to be around this person. And that all impacts sex. Yeah. Another aspect of the seven-year itch is not putting the same amount of effort into seducing your partner, right? Sometimes people come home and they're like, I need to have sex, or they come up to you and like do the boob honk, or yeah. <laughs> shit that people do to be like, it's time, let's go. And it doesn't have to be like that. Instead of just like demanding or commanding sex whenever you're like, I'm horny, but I don't necessarily care if you are because I am and I need it and I want it. It's been a really long time. It's about one wondering where your partner is, like talking about your needs, like, hey, I'm feeling, I would love for us to have some sexual intimacy tonight. I mean, obviously it doesn't have to be so clinical. Use whatever words you want. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> expressing your want and need for sexual intimacy and then allowing your partner to tell you where they are. Maybe they have a headache or maybe they're really stressed out about work or maybe they're not in the mood. And then also being really curious about what's going on with them that they may not be in the mood. So asking questions along the lines of, okay, what's going on in your world? How can I help relieve some of that stress? Um, or why don't, or, or offering options. So like if I wasn't in the mood, in that moment, I could tell my partner, like, I need a couple of hours. Um, I will go take a shower. I'll go do some self-care and I will make sure I'm relaxed enough and get my head out of work for now. And then make sure I'm in like the right headspace for us. So giving options is a really good um, opportunity to not say no yeah. necessarily, 
Um, but just be like, just give me a minute, right? And, and being able to respect that space and your partner and where they are. And going back to like seducing your partner, understand your partner's seduction style. A huge part of that could be, you know, are they visually stimulated? So do I need to wear something really nice um, consistently? Um, do I need to do my hair? Or maybe they just like me naked all the time. I don't know, right? So right. finding those out, having those conversations, a lot of people aren't even talking about sex, which is mind blowing right. to me. They just do it. And then it's a lot of assumed expectations, which puts a lot of pressure on people. And, you know, without ever actually having the conversation to be like, what do you like? <laughs> And then, like you said, you know, and then all those assumptions lead to resentment because you're not living up to the standard. Yes, yes. And then that could potentially lead to self-betrayal. So there are a lot of complexities to it. But the good news is, is there's an answer for all of it, depending on your situation. Right. So once you can understand your partner's seduction style, you can start foreplay before it's time to have sex, right? You can start it early in the day, you can start it throughout the week, you can do it via text message, whatever. No, once you know the seduction style, you can start implementing it little by little throughout the day where it doesn't take too much mental capacity, emotional capacity, or effort away from all the other things you have going on in your daily routine, which are ruining your sex life anyways, <laughs> right? And, and, you know, just like go over and give your partner a hug or spank them on the butt if that's something they're into. So there's so many different things that you can do consistently throughout the day. I think it's about the little things throughout extended periods of time that really can help with yeah. the longevity of your sexual intimacy within a relationship and making it super passion, right. passionate. Yeah. Is there a point that the fire ever goes out and nothing works and it's just time to move on and call it quits? Uh, that's a good question. That's a hard question for me to answer because there are, I think that there's a way to come back to relationships and your connection and sexual intimacy. There are obviously physical things like biological things that could be impacting that big time, right? So that's something to take into consideration that that could potentially permanently, unfortunately, ruin your sexual drive. Um, but if, if, if that is not a matter of it, there are absolutely things that can be done to, to put, bring the fire back. And that can start by creating a sense of safety with your partner, because sometimes, especially actually after a long period of time of maybe not hearing your sexual needs met or not being asked about what your sexual needs are, or being willing to explore, or maybe somebody didn't feel safe because they said they wanted to try something kinky and you shamed them for whatever reason. And then people shut down slowly but surely. So how can we open you back up right. to having that sexual desire? Another big aspect of, and this is more for heterosexual couples, is that women get aroused very differently than men get aroused. The way I like to explain it is men get aroused oftentimes something as easy as lighting a match. Yeah. <laughs> Where women are more like, let's put a pot of water on the stove and it's going to take me 10, 15 minutes to start boiling, which means now I'm ready. Right. So it's taking those things into consideration. So if you are a male and you get turned on super fast and super easy, take your time with your female partner to really open them up and make sure they are ready to receive you. Literally. <laughs> Literally. Literally. 
what would you say to you know our listeners and our viewers? They may have opposite schedules. Mm. Opposite schedules is tough. Um, I mean, at some point in the day, you're going to be connecting, right? I would like to think that at some point in the day, you're going to be connecting. That you know, I have I have mixed things on this because I'm like, live a life that feels good to you. If you hate the life you're living because you guys are working opposite schedules, find a new job. Yeah. But that's way easier said than done, and a lot of people aren't necessarily open to that. But when it comes to opposite schedules, I think a huge part of that is being respect respectful to what your partner's needs are, given their schedule, like understanding what times of day they feel good. When do you have energy? When do you feel your best? Um, when we have time together, can we plan a sexy date at home and like set that container? It, a lot of times people are like, you have to put it on the schedule. And people feel that really is kind of stale or, you know, not sexy yeah. to put something on the schedule. But the way I look at it is it is, such a good opportunity to be like, it's game time in, on Friday. For the next four days, I'm gonna be fantasizing, I'm gonna be right. texting, I'm gonna be like so excited for Friday to come so I can be with my partner instead of approaching it as like something to check off of your to-do list because you feel some sort of obligation within your relationship to be able to provide these services to your partner. Yeah. It's kind of like a trip when you have a big trip, you know, coming up and you're excited, you know, you're doing a countdown and things like that. You're excited, you know, you're researching and you're anticipating. And I think that that's even a bigger turn on. You absolutely got it. Creating that anticipation can be really awesome because we feel a lot of anticipation at the beginning of relationships when we're still getting to know somebody. Um, another really fun thing to do when you're creating anticipation is talking about trying something new that you both are really excited about. So, you know, if just planning normal, what you are used to sex is not very exciting anymore, then try something new. The other aspect that I love talking about is the nuances of sex. I am a huge, huge advocate for having conversations about sex before even having sex with somebody. Mm -hmm. And I think these conversations need to continue throughout your life. We evolve. What turned us on 10 years ago is not going to turn us on in another five years. We change, we evolve, we learn our bodies better. We know ourselves better. We feel more empowered in our voices to speak up more. And so having these conversations about sex ahead of time, one, allows you to understand what are the boundaries I can play in, right? So what do what does this person like? What does this person not like? What are hard no's? What are hell yeses? And what that does is, it, again, it draws the outline of what you can play in and then color in. And then when you have these conversations consistently, the fun thing about that is you get to see how things evolve. Maybe I wasn't into you pulling my hair six years ago, but now I want to try it and see if I like it because my friend said it was amazing and I wasn't open to it before, but now I'm just kind of curious. So really encouraging that curiosity between two people and then going back to the, to the nuances. So when you cut, when you have those boundaries set, one, it relieves a lot of anxiety, which allows for better sex because now you're relaxed. You don't have to worry about somebody doing something you don't like and then you having to say something and ruin the moment or then choosing not to say something and then having some, a little, some form of self-betrayal. And then maybe you feel some type of way after sex and you're like, oh, I just need some distance because 
I did something I didn't want to do or didn't like to do when that all could have been taken care of up front. Think about it as like paying the bill, like just talk about it. Don't worry. Don't wait for the awkward <laughs> moment to come up at the end of dinner and be like, do you want to pay? Do you want to split it? Just have the conversation. It's not a big deal. It 100% should be normalized. And then once you do have that conversation and a lot of people are resistant to it because they think it ruins the spontaneity. And this is where the real magic is, is in the nuances of sex, right? So let's say your partner says they love it when you kiss them right here on the neck. But now you get to witness, does their breath change? Does their moans change? Do they wiggle in a certain way? Mm -hmm. Does the expansion of their, their rib cage shift? You know, like you get to notice all those really juicy details of sex way more than the big act of actually having sex. And another thing that I think is really important to know is like, what is your what is your outcome for sex, right? Mm -hmm. Is it always to have an orgasm? Well, that's a lot of pressure. And there's actually something called climax um, anxiety, where it's like, I can tell this person really wants me to come and my body's not doing it. And now I feel bad because I don't want them to think that they're not doing a good job. And now I'm really stressed and I'm in my head and I'm not in my body. And it's all these things that are playing a role into you actually not having any pleasure at all during the experience, where you can get rid of that completely by just being like, I just want us to feel good right now. If we have orgasms, great. If we don't, great. If you do and I don't, fine, no big deal. And vice versa. So it's it's also being like, this doesn't have to end in climax. I would love for it to, but at the same time, like I just want to enjoy you in your space. And going back to what I was initially talking about or what I initially asked you about, like, why do we go on dates, right? Why do people want to have sex outside of procreation and reaching orgasm? They want to feel good. They want to feel connected. They want to feel their partner's presence. They want to be touched. They want, right? So you can achieve all of those things without reaching climax and still feel really full and satisfied and connected with your partner, which then just continuously deepens your intimacy. And then the more you deepen your intimacy, the more turned on you are consistently. And the more sex you're having. (laughs) (laughs) So shifting a little bit, um, you know, the podcast is called Fearless Fridays and everything I do, it's about being fearless. How are you living a fearless life? (laughs) <laughs> every day. Um, <laughs> I like that. <laughs> I actually take that back. I live a life with fear every, almost every day because I'm constantly pushing my boundaries and expanding, like live. I try my best to, to push my edge every day. And there's no way to avoid that without feeling some sort of fear. So what I would say is I'm not fearless, but I am very courageous mm-hmm. in a lot of the things that I'm doing because despite the fear, because fear is going to yeah. be there no matter what. You got to exactly. do it anyways, right? And it's ultimately like what's worst case scenario? And if worst case scenario, what happens? As long as I have food, a safe place to rest my head at night, a comfortable bed with lots of pillows because I'm a bougie sleeper. Um, (laughs) My dog and people who love me, I'm good. I have no needs unmet, but I have a lot of wants unmet, right? So, and then, you know, living fearless, I love that so much. It's really about living courageous because we are going to have fear all of the time, anytime we take a chance at anything. And a 
and this actually ties back to what we were talking about, about sex. There's a lot of fear in sex. Mm -hmm. There's a fear to express things that you want. There's a fear to express things that you don't like because you're maybe worried about you're going to hurt someone's ego and then you're going to have to like manage that situation and you don't want them mad at you because maybe you're a people pleaser um, or maybe you've been shut down so many times that you're like, don't feel comfortable sharing things. So there's a one of the most fearful things is vulnerability. So the more courage you can have around vulnerability, the more you're going to be living your life to its fullest. I love that. I love that. So what are you working on in your business and what do you have coming up that you would like to share? Oh, thank you. Yeah. So right now I have a program called the Relationship Blueprint, which is all about how do I create my ideal relationship or the relationship of my dreams and make it my reality. And the cool thing about this is if you are single, then we go through an in-depth amount of information for you to understand who you want to be as a partner, what you want your partnership to look like, and what you would like in a partner. So many times we think about what we want in a partner, but we never take into consideration who we want to be as a partner. When we prioritize who we want to be as a partner, what we want our partnership to look like, you will only ever accept somebody who can meet you at that level. So it actually helps a lot with compatibility. It helps avoid a lot of mistakes and wasted or um, very valuable resources that we waste sometimes on trying to make something work when we know mm -hmm. it's not going to work. So the blueprint is all about like, these are all of the things that I want in a relationship. These are all of the different components I need to think about before getting into partnership and making sure that my partner is able to be aligned on that or like that we're a good match. And then if you are in partnership, the cool thing about the relationship blueprint is you each go through this aspect of like understanding who you are as a person in partnership. And then they do the same thing. And then what you get to do is you get to build your blueprint together. So you have your individual blueprints and then you get to build that home together. And whether it's something traditional or super eclectic and funky, I like to think of it as like building a house. So it gives you the studs, it gives you the foundation and it gives you the walls, but then you get to decorate it however you want. So that's the program I'm running. And then I'm about to start launching a bunch of different relationship education trainings. Um, on different topics. It's like people pleasing, resolving conflict, how to initiate sex that is fun and easy. Um, so all of pretty much all things relationship, like I said at the beginning, I'm super passionate about. I want to be able to provide those educational resources in a way that's synthesized and easy to receive and gives you really clear, actionable practices or things to implement in your life or thought prompts so that way you can enrich your own life, have better relationships with your family members, um, have better romantic relationships and have better sex. Beautiful. And where can our um, viewers and audience connect with you? Thank you. Uh, so my website is christinamorellicoaching.com. And then you can also find me, I'm very active on Facebook and Instagram at Christina Morelli Coaching. And as we get ready to wrap up, what does fearless living mean to you? Fearless living means to me living with courage, um, understanding that what I want is achievable, like anything can be figured out. 
And just because something's not working out doesn't mean it can't be figured out or that there's not another path you can write. So it's about being flexible, being fluid with your life, being willing to try different things if you are really committed to this dream or desire that you have. Um, and being vulnerable. When I first started my business, I remember I was terrified. I was in the shower and I was crying and I was like, I am not going to let this fail because I'm scared. I refuse to let this fail because I am scared. If this fails, it's going to be because I messed up or I just can't figure out a way to make it work. And I need to do another, I need to go another route. But it's really about like, I'm not going to let fear impact how beautiful and rich and full my life is going to be. So I'm just going to go for it. Awesome. Thank you so much for being with us today. Thank you so much. I appreciate you. Likewise. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Fearless Fridays with Marianne. As your host, I am grateful for you and I invite you to share this podcast and don't forget to leave a review. Let's connect on Facebook at the Fearless Living Coach page or on Instagram at Marianne Rivera Dannert. You can also visit my website, MarianneRiveraDannert.com and sign up for some freebies as you start to live a fearless life. Until next time. Hi, I'm Kelly. And I'm Kelly. The host of Getting Real with Bossy, the real, raw, and honest podcast about small business ownership. We created Bossy to be a safe place to ask the hard questions and to get support that's necessary. With our experience, nine businesses in over 25 years, we continue to bear it all and share what we wish we had known. We move past the must-be-nices and start getting real. Come along as we interview small business owners and get the true story. Leave with another tool for the next time you feel alone on this journey. Business ownership leads to unexpected knowledge. What are you an expert at? Tell us at Getting Real with Bossy and subscribe today.